What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And uh, we're back for another episode this week. Um, we're going to be looking at two-player variants in games, some good, some bad. Um, we also have quite a few games that we've been playing lately that we're going to give first impressions of. But before we get there, um, just a quick reminder that you can find us and interact with us online um, through social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you search at Tabletop for Two, you can find us at all those sites. And also make sure you please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Pocket Cast, or any other podcatcher of your choice. So, like we said uh, last episode, we have quite a log of games that we've been churning through. Mm-hmm. And um, one that I really enjoyed um, that we picked up recently is War- the Warhammer Quest adventure card game from Fantasy Flight. So this is a um, new adventure card game from them in the Warhammer line, which neither Emily or I have any... Don't like, care. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I don't. I don't care about Warhammer. At not all. big fans of it before, um, but this is apparently an iteration on the. So you don't know this, and I didn't know this until recently. So Warhammer Quest was a dungeon crawling style board game, which mm-hmm. was kind of an evolution of like Hero Quests. Most people say. Isn't but, that the one that you raved about that you played when you were little? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, kind of like my first, what you guys you call a hobby game was Hero Quest. Um, but Warhammer Quest takes this into an adventure card game format. Um, you know, obviously Pathfinder is probably the most prominent of these where... It reminded me of the Lord of the Rings one that we didn't like. Right, right. But um, we liked this one. Yeah, which which is pretty good. So in in uh, Warhammer Quest, what you're doing is you have... The game comes with, I think, six scenarios. Um, some of them are like a line of quests, and then some of the, there's like a delve quest that I think you can do to get massive upgrades in one shot. Um, what you do is you take your heroes, and each of your heroes has four actions that you'll be able to use throughout the quest, and you kind of build a quest deck that's going to have an assortment of enemies and an assortment of locations and an assortment of items and event cards that will all happen, and you put these in their separate decks. And then you go through taking turns. Um, on your turn, you select an action. You perform that action. Um, you can either attack. You can explore the location that you're in. You can rest, or you can um, aid one of your other adventurers. Um and when you take these actions, you're rolling dice to see how well you do. Um, if you have any enemies that you're currently engaged with, those enemies also will have a chance to attack you when you are performing your actions. Um, but then once you perform the action, you kind you have to exhaust it or tap it or whatever you want to say. Um, but then for each character, one of their four actions is kind of like a reset action as well, that whenever you perform that action, it will untap all of your other used actions as well. So you have to kind of keep that in mind as you're going through. Um, and each of the heroes has, has health. And if all the heroes die, then, then you lose. Um, if you are able to fully explore all the locations and complete the goal on the quest scenario card, you win. Um, so that's very basically what Warhammer quest is. The, the hook comes from the amount that you can upgrade the character. So in between quests, you can find, Items and stuff like that and new gear that you can equip them with. You can also find gear during quests as you search around. And then you can also upgrade the character's actions. Each of the characters has an advanced version for each of their actions that they do that make it a little bit better than the basic version. You can upgrade the upgrade those over time as well, which is pretty fun. So we typically struggle with campaign-based games because we have too much gaming ADD to sit there and play and the same game yeah, multiple times. Um, in a short period of time, but what have you thought about Warhammer so far? Um, I like this one. This is, as you put it, the game we wanted the Lord of the Rings game to be. Mm. Um, 
and I, I've really enjoyed it, even though we got our butts kicked both times that we played right. by Dagon Odious Grump. Yeah, that's that's He's the making other, me a grump. Well, that's the other cool thing about this game is that each of, each of the scenarios has um, like a boss in it, basically. And if you kill the boss, usually that takes the boss out of the game for good. You'll never if see you it again. Don't he keeps coming back? Yeah. So like, if you if you lose to the boss, then you actually shuffle them into the enemy deck in subsequent subsequent quests, and they'll appear randomly through your through your continuing adventures. So you get a kind of a sense of you know bosses sticking around. Obviously, if you kill them during subsequent quests, they'll eventually go away. But he's making neat. me very grumpy. I'm sure. So yeah, like Emily said, this is what we were kind of looking for from the Lord of the Rings card game. Um, I think. Plus, I feel like this one's a lot quicker than that one was. Too. Well, that's that's part of it. Like a, for a campaign-based game, the setup is much faster setup than you get like minimal, a descent and stuff but, like, like that. But like the play, it, I just feel like it goes a lot quicker, a lot smoother than mm. other games that we've tried. Well, and plus it doesn't have like with Lord of the Rings. I think the reason why we never really wanted to invest time in that either is because of the deck building aspect. Like having to construct your deck of cards to take into battle with you. That's part of the fun of that game because Lord of the Rings is an LCG um, as opposed to an adventure card game. And that's probably splitting hairs, describing them differently that way. But this one is much quicker. Now, obviously, you don't get the same depth of, you know, characters and stuff like that. And is yes, but for our purposes, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been working really well so far. It's we I've enjoyed it a lot. Like I said, it's um. It's I've been wanting to continue to play it more and more. Um, so Warhammer Quest is pretty good if you can find it. Um, I know it's between printings right now, but uh, the demand for this one's been pretty high. So I'm sure Fantasy Flight will uh, will get their act together with that one. Mm -hmm. uh, next on the list is one we've had for quite a while. It was a Kickstarter we backed, and that's Epic, the card game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's this. This is the one from White Wizard Games. Um it's it reminded me of like magic almost because, well, that, because it has design, the yeah. different factions if if you were to take magic and i'd say maybe star realms and combine them into well, no, yeah. not even eh, no. not really because this is a constructed deck game so yeah epic is um a small box maybe ashes yeah that might be more more comparable <coughs> um but this one's a small box game um like I always said, very comparable to Magic, where you have a deck of cards, and on your turn, you're playing various heroes and events, and then you and can... And they all mesh together. Yep. And then you can attack with your heroes, and the goal is you're trying to decrease your opponent's health to um, to nil. The game has four different factions in it. Um, I did not like the last one I played with. The white, the yellow faction, which behaved like the white faction, uh, the white color in Magic. Yeah, I, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, the, the colors play similar to magic tropes like blue plays like blue in magic green plays like green red in this game plays like black and then and then yellow plays like white you know you have a lot of healing creatures and stuff like that um the game was fun i was expecting it to be a little bit quicker than it is like the last game we played this took probably what close to 35 minutes 40 mm -hmm. minutes which for a game like this um is I, th I think you want it to go a little bit faster. The thing about Epic that's kind of cool is that every card, like as you're going through the game, like you pull up these cards and they all end, like you have these cards in your hand, and you're like, oh my God, this creature is so ridiculously good. You know, it's so, so overpowered and this kind of the other, but then your opponent also has cards that, like every card seems very good. There's no crap cards. Um, they also get around the the resource problem in this game Every player on each player's turn, whether it's your turn or not, has one gold coin 
that they can spend. And some of the cards that you play cost one gold coin, and some of them cost zero. And if you have a bunch of zero-cost cards, you can play as many of them as you want. Um, if you have a one-cost card, obviously you're limited to playing those once per turn. Um, lots of keywords on the characters, as you would expect, but most of them are CCG tropes, like they have... A, you know, breakthrough, which is trample, and they have airborne, which is flying, and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, the game comes with four pre-constructed decks that are just all decks of the same faction. We haven't really gone into the deck building yet. Um, I think what we'll do probably is wind up doing like a draft. I think that's probably the best way to handle it. Okay. Um, and we'll experiment with that a little bit more, but Epic's pretty good. Um, Definitely, I don't know if it's a game that we'll get the most out of, just because, obviously, games like this tend to reward you the more you play them. Um, but it's fun. If any expansions came out, I certainly would get, at least give it a look. And I think the the main box is, what, 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. I think? You get 120 cards, and like I said, across four factions. So even if you just use the pre-constructed decks, you could still have a decent amount of fun with Epic. So check it out. Like I said, it's a it's a low low-risk game. Uh, low-risk venture to get into a game like that and not collectible which is good yeah um next is a game that i wanted that finally came back into stock and that was best treehouse ever we actually saw this at unpub when we went last year Mm -hmm. and we didn't get a chance to play and i was very sad but now that i have it and i played it i love it so best treehouse ever um it's a very simple <coughs> card drafting game where you uh each have a hand of cards and you have a tree, uh, competing tree houses that you guys are building um the cards basically the there's the there's different types of you know wacky rooms you can have in the treehouse um that are just there for flavor really you're looking at the color of the card um in this case when you play a card to your treehouse uh you can play it anywhere you want to with keeping in mind that you have to properly balance your treehouse. So yes, like if you, you start with your stump mm-hmm. and there's a little was it is it a little acorn? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And there's three different spots. Your acorn starts in the middle. As you build, if you build to the right, you have to move it to the right. If you build to the left, you can move it one to the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, make sure that you keep your tree balanced. Right, otherwise and obviously, it'll Yeah. And obviously if your acorn is to the far right, you can't put something on the right side of your treehouse because right. it would unbalance and so you have to build evenly in that way. Plus, the first time you put a specific colored room down on the treehouse, you can put anywhere you want, but then any subsequent rooms of that color have to be connected to the original room in color. some way, shape, or form. So um, so this, again, really simple game reminded me a lot of Sushi Go because um, it's it's got that card drafting because you have the hand of cards, you draft one and pass it along. Um did you, what did you think about the game? I know you were excited to check it out and play it. I loved it. It was a quick little, you know, quick little distraction for me. And I loved it because it actually, it actually, I had uh, I had to do a lot more thinking than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, it, it looks very simple. And they actually have these um, goal cards that you get at the beginning of the game that if you build a certain configuration of rooms in your treehouse in a certain manner um you'll get bonus points at the end mm-hmm. and at the beginning of the game you're like oh this will be no problem but then as you know the rules constrict you from being able to just place stuff anywhere you want to um it becomes much harder mm-hmm. as time goes along um this is this is really fun for what it is like i said a really simple drafting game uh i think it, it's a better two-player experience than sushi go would be i think sushi go works better with more people, mm-hmm. um, whereas this one I think is more flexible across the different player accounts. But I think this one would also be a good one that we could 
uh, uh, show to our non-gamer friends. Oh, it's really they easy. Would get it, yeah, you know really what I mean? And you they'd probably have a lot of fun anybody. playing it. Absolutely. This is another Scott Alms design, um, by the way. So we already were probably predisposed to liking it. We have lots of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you? I I could care. I could have cared less about the theme, but I'm sure you. Like I thought it was adorable. Yeah. yeah, the art matches the 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 whimsy nature. Oh my god! Like some of the some of the rooms just cracked me up because there was like the ball pit room and there's the secret hideout and the oh my god, it was adorable. So yeah, best treehouse ever. Again, this is another really cheap title. Um, if you come across it, it's worth picking up. Absolutely, it's mm-hmm. a good filler game. Um, and like I said a good family game as well mm-hmm. because it's definitely you know nothing crazy or objectionable in there. So check it out. Um, pretty Best solid drafting ever. game. Yep. Um, another Kickstarter project uh, that we got recently was, was Valeria that, Card Kingdoms. Was this one of the ones that came in right before the blizzard? Yes. Like right, right, right before like, the blizzard. No, it came in the day of the blizzard. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So um, Valeria Card Kingdoms is a kind of, I guess you'd call it a tableau building game. It's similar it's to Machi Koro. grown up Machi Koro. Right, where you have different um, different heroes that you hire. And the different heroes each have a different ability. Um, they also have a number assigned to them. So on your turn, you're going to roll two dice. Now, what I like about this game that I like way better than Machi Koro is that in Machi Koro, you just get whatever the roll is. So if you roll a seven, then you uh, then you just do, if you, any, whoever has cards that have a seven, get to use the actions on those cards. But in Valeria Card Kingdoms, not only do you get to do the seven, but you also get to do the action of your two character and the action of your five character as well. So if you roll two and a five, you get to do the two, the five, and the seven. And other players get to do it too, because each character has an action that you use only if it's your turn, which is usually a more powerful action. But then they also have an action that you use if it's somebody else's turn. Um, so that you're always engaged, theoretically, once you build a decent tableau of cards. Um, the the aim here is you're trying to gather different resources. You have money and you have strength, um, and then you also have magic, which kind of acts as a wild resource. You want to use the strength to kill different monsters that come out, um, and then you want to use the uh, money to buy different buildings that come out. And the buildings have different permanent effects. Um, the monsters are usually worth victory points, plus there's usually bonuses for collecting certain sets of monsters um, as you go through the game. And that's pretty much it. What were your thoughts on... Larry Card Kingdoms. Uh, first off, I love the art. Mm-hmm. The art was very, very awesome. Um, like I said, I thought I was, you know, good with Machikoro, but after playing this, no, no more Machikoro. I like this so much better. I felt like there was a lot more depth to uh, this game. Mm-hmm. I just feel, yeah, there's there's more to do mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, it's um. You know, and and plus with Machi Koro, if you just have the base set, which we do, you can kind of fall into best course of action mode, right? Or there's like really strategies that are more powerful than other strategies. Um, like the cheese strategy was pretty predominant in that game. Um, but in this one, it's there's not really a best best course of action at all times. One thing that I will knock the game for is it's very fiddly, just because you're constantly spending resources back and forth like you're constantly collecting resources and then spending them and then collecting them and spending them and there's just a lot of resource management i don't know how they could have done it any differently because the resources are these nice wood tokens but you're exchanging them constantly back and forth and that that part of it was just a little bit 
fiddly, especially because you end up collecting like a lot of certain types of resources. Like you get, you know, you'll get like 10 of these little strength tokens or 10 of these gold tokens. And it's just, I didn't like that part of it, Mm -hmm. I'd say. Um, But the game itself is very good. Um, Again, this is one that is pretty accessible to most people. I would think that you could, that you could teach the two player game worked fine. Um, Is Is this the one we let Xander punch out? Uh, one of the ones we let him hell punch out, yeah. He was having a good time with that. Our son had the biggest grin on his face because we let him poke the pieces out of the cardboard. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. So he was enjoying that one. Um, we were enjoying this one. And also the same company currently has a game on Kickstarter called Valeria, Villages of Valeria, I think. So that's worth checking out. Seems like a sort of like a combination between Imperial Settlers and like San Juan basically so might be worth looking into but you have larry card kingdoms if you see this one um if you have machi koro and you like machi koro i think you will like this more um if machi koro this just the concept of the game seems boring um you may want to check this one out but i don't know if it does quite enough to to maybe get over, get past that part so next up um was a small game that comes in a big box for a small filler game and that's the king is dead um, from Osprey Games. This is a what do you call this game? I guess a um area control. Oh yeah, that's well, that's yeah, definitely what it would be. <laughs> is area control? You have a small map of uh, a small map of England, and there's three factions that are vying for control of the throne after King Arthur's death. Um, and you are not trying to be, you're not trying to take the throne for yourself, but you're trying to influence these factions um, so that you have the most power with the winning faction. When the dust settles. So the way this game works is that the different um, provinces are laid out from one to eight and they're resolved one at a time. And on your turn, you can either pass or you can play an action card. And each player has the same deck of eight action cards when the game starts. And the action can only play them once per game. Right. So each action can only be played once. So once you use that card, then you can't use it anymore for the rest of the game. And you can use multiple action cards per like contested province but again once if you use multiple action cards in one area you might not be able to use any in another area limiting how much you can influence things the action cards usually just have you moving colored cubes from back and forth like i said there's three colored cubes representing the different factions and then also once you when you take an action card or sorry rather when you play an action card you then also have to take one of the cubes off the board um, which is important for the end of the game for scoring purposes because as each of the areas gets resolved, um, one of the factions will have control of it. And at the end of the game, um, whichever faction controls the most areas is considered the most powerful faction and whoever has the most influence from that faction wins the game. So you're trying to kind of, it's like a tug of war, like a back and forth sort of thing as you go through. And if the factions, um, and the other interesting way you can win is if the factions tie for control of an area, then the Saxons come in and, and wreck everything. And if the Saxons control four areas on the board when the game is over, then the player who has the most sets of the influence factions, because you have to unite everybody to fight the fa- the Saxon threat, will win the game. So I didn't know what to expect from this one. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I enjoyed, like I said, even though it was brief, there's a lot of difficult decisions. To make in the game, um, because you really have to balance. All right, I can. I really want to make sure this faction wins this territory. All right, I can. I can afford to give this one up, but you don't know what your opponent's going to do, so you can't throw all your eggs into one basket. You have to really be careful about how you're how you're playing all the sides. 
And I like how I'm like, you're like, oh, well, you can only put it into a territory that's touching it. You're like, that's not touching it. And I said, uh, check again here on the map, sir. It's touching right there. Yeah, you got to really look at the map because some the adjacency of the different territories is very fickle in some spots for yeah, sure. Yeah, some, some spots it goes down to a very tiny little sliver of land, but it's touching. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it played super quick. Um, this was like I a think half we hour banged game. it out in like half an hour. Yeah. Yeah, and this uh, and it's it's just like I said, it's very interesting. With you think with only eight cards, so basically, really in each game, you can only do eight actions, but the actions can really swing, um, you know how the game plays, and they also have the action set up so that when you switch out certain cubes, your opponent is not able to undo what you just did, kind of. So there's no like negative, you know, response and that kind of stuff. So the King of Dead, um, pretty solid. Uh, only get this if you have two or three. Though the four-player game is a team game, and I'm I can't imagine how that would be more fun than playing solo, but or not or you know playing on your for yourself. But uh, yeah, check it out if you're in for again another filler type game, but one that is a little bit deeper than than your average filler. Uh, last on our list is Through the Ages, recent acquisition that this guy across from me has been so excited to get. It's mm-hmm. been ridiculous. Well, the new edition just came out that streamlined a lot of the rules, that updated the graphics, the components, um, just made it a better presentation. So I was, uh, I'm glad I held out, and I'm glad that uh, that this is the version that we picked up. I was curious to see how Emily was going to like it. I was pretty sure. Um, that I was, but and we like civilization games, but we've talked on the show how it's always a struggle to find one that works really well with two. Um, for those unfamiliar, Through the Ages is actually a card-driven civilization game. There's no map, there's no dudes on a map, everything is done with card play, so everything's kind of abstracted, but it's still a really fun game where you're trying to develop certain aspects of your civilization while also trying to use all the resources you generate, and keep your people happy and keep everybody well fed and balance having, you know, tech technological improvements with having a decent military because not having a decent military will get you smacked in the face by your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a far too complex game to to detail to do like a detailed explanation in this small format. Um, I'm sure that there's all sorts of stuff online that you can do if you want to see gameplay and stuff like that. But I was curious to see what Emily would think about the game. Um, and she actually liked it quite a bit despite its length. Yeah. Um, it was funny because when we first started playing, I was super distracted trying to finish something up. And, uh, despite my distractedness, I actually was able to, you know, pick it up fairly quickly. And then mm-hmm. once I got finished with what I was doing, and our son went down for a nap. I mean, it really just went... I mean, it was like two and a half, three hours that we were playing, but still mm. didn't feel like that. Right, because the game moves constantly. Um, there's also some fun bookkeeping in this game, which I know is kind of an oxymoron, but it's you have to really, like I said, make sure that you use all of the res- as many of the resources as you can that, you're, that you generate each turn. Um, otherwise, your people will start stealing from you, and you have to make sure that everyone stays happy. Um, otherwise they'll start revolting on you and you, and you know, then they won't produce as many resources for you. So a lot of balancing act, um, and stuff that you always have to keep in mind as you go. So you can't just get the most powerful cards every turn. Like you, Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to have like a maintenance turn where it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I had (laughs) one turn in particular that made me so mad because I had to play, I put an event card in the, in the deck and then you have to play an event card. 
and I flipped it over. And of course, it was the card I don't want to see because that turn I had planned on using my leader that I had because he told me I didn't have to spend extra actions to get my next wonder. Mm. And then it's like, remove all leaders from the game. I'm like, Ugh. yep. Totally messed my whole turn up. Yeah, and that's and that's the other cool thing too is that they have like a politics phase where you can put in different events that might happen um, during the game, so that you know what events will take place, but you don't know exactly when they'll occur because they happen at kind of random intervals as you go along. Um, there's also they they don't recommend the um, military aspects to be in the game for your first go. Uh, we did play with all that stuff in there. Uh, if you're an experienced gamer, you really don't need to worry about the learning game. Um, just dive right in. We, mm-hmm. we didn't have any trouble with that kind of stuff. Nope. Actually, Emily, oh man, I was about to throw some some aggressions her way until she bolstered her uh, military strength up <laughs> and, and got it back over mine. Yeah, way, Napoleon so. did work for me. He did. So yeah, Through the Ages is a great, great game. Um, it's uh, very great uh, at two players. At two players, I actually think it's probably at one of its better counts because the game can probably drag on a bit. I would imagine at four, mm-hmm. which is the max player count. I mean, it was a pretty lengthy game for us. Like I said, mm. we can probably shave off, I would say 30 to 45 minutes next time we play. Right. But uh, still that's, that's two hours. That's a, that's a long game. Well, there's not, I mean, there's not many games that are that long that I would be ready to reset everything and play it again, but I would have done it easily with that if i had the opportunity to because i had that much fun and it, and just like all as you go through the game you're like oh man i could have done this and this and and i kicked your booty you did win you did win that's that's okay i'm willing to uh to accept that but yeah through the ages if you're if you're in for a heavier game um this is a lot of chivato uh great great game highly recommend it make sure you check it out when you get the chance so that's uh, that's all the new stuff for this week. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about two-player variants, um, discuss some of our favorite ones and some ones that we haven't liked. So stick around for that. Welcome back. So, like I said, the main topic on this week's show is that we are talking... Two-player variants in games, which obviously is a subject that's near and dear to our hearts. <laughs> Shocker. I know, right? Because some games, let's just face it, uh, are not designed originally for two players. Nope. But they want to make sure that they expand that player count to include as wide an audience as they can. So you'll sometimes see games craft a special two-player. Uh, it, you know, They sometimes call it the expert variant or the advanced variant. Um, and some of them are better than others. So... Just to be clear, when we're talking about two-player variants, we're not talking about games that adjust like the amount of certain components that are available when playing with two players or anything like that. We're talking about games that actually have like a fundamental aspect that is not present when playing with more than two players. Um, something that changes the game, changes the strategy of the game. And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Um we were gonna do. I was thinking about doing this in like a list format, but I think it's just easier probably just to, to just to discuss it and bring up the examples as we go because some of the stuff we have like a, a short good and bad list for these, and some of them are kind of juxtapositions of one another. Or there's some commonalities between you know certain aspects of them, so I figure we'll just go from there. Um, we'll start with some of the ones we don't like, and I think that the common theme that we find with the ones that we don't care for too much is I don't think that we like virtual player counts or not virtual player counts, but virtual AI or not AI players, virtual players that the players 
alternate control of. Oh my god! I know. I'll put my thoughts together. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth's moving faster than my head right now. Uh, apparently, yeah. Um, one of the big ones with that was Seven Wonders, right? And and if if you listen to the show regularly, you've heard us talk about that plenty. Um, where in Seven Wonders you have a neutral civilization that players pass control of it back and forth and they have to play a card for them every turn and we just didn't care for it and it's apparently so bad that they had to make another seven wonders game specifically for two players because that variant was such garbage (laughs) it was just but so why didn't why don't you i I know i don't like that variant why don't you care for that particular variant i just i i just thought it was kind of dumb you know, I mean, what's the point of me? I mean, I understand it's to help balance the game, but mm. I don't see why you couldn't just have it between two people. I mean, Seven Wonders Duel, mm. you know, I felt like the same kind of cards are coming out, everything like that. I don't understand why you had to have that third player, you well, know. Well, I get, I get what they were going for with that variant. Because I know they're trying to make sure that somebody doesn't get all the majorities or do this or do that. Well, it's not even that. Still, like, like, you can... You, Theoretically, you can use that player to your advantage. So, like, you can force them to play a card that would make them buy resources from you so that they would be giving you money. Or, you know, more commonly use it as, like, an outlet just to put a card down that your opponent would probably want that you don't want them to have. But it just felt fiddly. Um, And like I said, the passing passing of control is the thing that gets me. Like, I don't mind games that have, like, an AI player. I guess you can say like one that acts automatically. Um, Rockwell did this where I just don't want to be the one that's having to control myself and someone else. Right, right. Yeah, I I have enough to on my plate to think about what I want to do on my turn without having to worry about what I need to do for them. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I don't mind a game that has like a pre-programmed third player that does things based on a like a certain sequence of events because then you can influence them more naturally than you can with like seven wonders um fresco is another game that we don't really like i did that not did like this. that game at all yeah and this this is one where again you have this third you have this you know character that passes back and forth between the two players that you can move around the fresco board to you know to get you, you know paint certain tiles and he goes to the market and takes away one of the colors and this that or the other and just like I said, it just felt it just felt kind of fiddly didn't really flow very well um in the game. Uh, Compounded is one that you did not mind as much as I, I did. I love Compounded. Like I said, my sci- my inner science nerd came out with that game. Yeah, but you can like the game, but did you like the, <laughs> the two-player thing? I didn't mind. You're the one that had the big problem with it. I just didn't, because it seemed like a non, non-factor a lot of the time. You know what I mean? I really liked it. I was mad when you got rid of it. See, to me, it suffered the same problem that Seven Wonders did. At two player, whereas you know, so why couldn't we keep it and play it with more people? Because we don't get a chance to do. We don't ever get a chance to do that. We don't ever get a chance. You to act do that, like so. we have no friends. We have friends that come over and play games with us all the time. Like I said, we played it once with a third person, and he was eh on it. And I knew that once that happened, it wasn't going to see a lot of time. So, yeah. So the the virtual player that bounces back and forth that does not work well. But take a game like Twa, which does have not a virtual player, but you roll dice for another player and you can basically buy those dice from that player, but you're just paying the money to the bank. It just gives you more options and makes it so that you don't have to 
give your opponent money as frequently when you're trying to steal some of their dice. So that sometimes works to your advantage when you're doing it as well. So I think Twa is a game that takes that, you know, virtual player of sorts and makes it work in a much stronger fashion. Well, for that matter, so does Belfort. I liked Belfort because you have like the where you get to block off certain spaces every round, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that works really well. Well, and that one works really well because you each have one that you're mm-hmm. that you're controlling. So, and then once you place it, then it just kind of moves clockwise around the board every turn. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're you have to you know do it every time. Once you do it once, you place it, and then it just. It does its own thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm also talking about the um the third and fourth player in Belfort, how they have their trading houses that you can put out as or their guild houses that you can put out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just again as as more of a blocking mechanism as a way to mix up the scoring a little bit in Belfort. I think that's a game that does that really excellently. We always tout that as one of the better two player variants that you see. Out there, some people disagree. Some people think it's it's not very good and a little bit hamfisted. And I think the other thing that's cool about Belfort is that if the turn order in the game changes, it actually deter- you actually control a different of the two blocking players that are on the board. So you might be able to switch gears and you know use them to your advantage, which I think is really clever. Now going back to Seven Wonders, um, I think Among the Stars is a game that took drafting um, and made it work very well with only two players and actually the variant that we use um, when we play is actually a fan variant that was suggested um, and it, it's funny because it works kind of similar to the way the seven wonders one works where in seven wonders when you're the when you have control of the virtual player basically you draw a card from the center deck and add it to your hand and then you play two cards on your turn um, one for the virtual player and one for yourself in among the stars each player draws a card from the deck, adds another card to the hand that they just received, and then they play one card and then discard a card. So obviously, you know, in Seven Wonders, you end up just throwing away cards anyway that benefit your opponent. Well, this one, this variant actually encourages you to do that because of how how it works. Plus, you always have new information every turn to process besides the hand of cards that you were just passed by your opponent. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I can't remember what the default variant was in Among the Stars, but like I said the the fan suggested one that they actually put in the rule book for the for the new edition works really well. Um so let's go back to one that we don't enjoy as much. And I think we liked code names a lot at two player when we first started playing it. <laughs> I never liked it. Oh, it you at never two cared players. for it. Okay. No, I never liked it at two players. Um it just I don't know. It doesn't seem well. It just seem it just seems like the two player variant in code names is you're just practicing for when you actually play code right, names. Right, right. <laughs> like when we play with our friends, it's so much more fun. I, the, I like, I appreciate that they put a two player variant in there, mm-hmm. but it sucks. I, it's just, but it's just, it's not that it sucks. It's just that it's not. It, you're not. There's nothing to compete against except no. for a high score. It's like. I'm sure I'm sure people that play solo games probably appreciate it because again you're just trying to beat the game with the best score possible. But well, I that's one thing. But uh, I mean solo, I can see it could be fun. But no, with two, it's just like you said, it's not. I don't have that thrill of competition like when we do boys versus girls, you know, here mm-hmm. sometimes or, uh, you know, when we switch spouses and play against one another. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So yeah, that one that one didn't work too well for us. I mean, we we rarely we never play it two players after we first Mm-mm. got the game. So it's it's one that we exclusively always, save for the party. Always four and up. <laughs> yep. Um, another one that worked really well uh, is one ironically that didn't have two player support when it first came out, and that was Brass. Um, and now it actually has its own two player board, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. The new printing, the deluxe version that just came out from Eagle Griffin, has a specific two player board on the other side. Um, this is another fan variant, and it was just as simple as cutting off part of the board and taking some of the cards out of the game and changing how a few of the different areas work and how the demand track works. But the gameplay is fundamentally the same. Mm-hmm. But every but it just scaled it down, and it makes you like scratch your head and wonder why they couldn't figure out to do that in the first place. But I'm glad that that variant exists because Brass is a game that has easily fallen into i'd say at, at, at a bare minimum our top 15 games mm-hmm. that we play if not I top 10 agree. yeah and that's the thing like he's like well they have a two-player specific board i'm like i don't mind because we just use some of the uh tiddlywinks that it comes with mm-hmm. and just and just block, block the off the spaces right and it works just fine yep so those are the biggies for us um can you think of any other ones that have like very different like I know so like we haven't played it this way yet but survive um has a two player variant where basically you're controlling two players. Like play, I said the colors. one I mentioned earlier today but you said it's not fair to you know say that one is we had bought Kingsport Festival mm. and we played it and it, it had a two player variant and it just it didn't work so well. Right. The, you know it, it wasn't an official variant though which is why I said it wasn't fair to judge it based on that. Well um, how can you call a fan variant an official variant? Well, because it became an official variant. But it started off as a fan it variant. Did, it did. And guess what? That's what that one was, right? Right. But I'm just saying, like, with Kingsport, it's not fair to ding Kingsport Festival. It's not like they came out and said, hey, this no, game is two players. I'm not saying that. I'm just yeah. saying it doesn't work with two people. No, it, it, we not tried, well. but it does not work. And some people would argue differently. Like, like that, like what we just went over, like, there's some people that love the Fresco two player variant I've seen. Um, I know some, there are lots of people that love the. Kingsport Festival slash Kingsburg two-player variant and by you know flip side I know there are people that hate the Belfort two-player variant and think it's garbage as well so obviously it's just our opinions so what do you what do you so I think that we found out that we don't like a passed back and forth third player that you know the other side gets in. We like us. a third <laughs> player that does stuff for themselves. Yes. Is what we like we yeah, don't AI like one where we have to think for them. Yeah AI is good. Um I guess two-player games where you control, where you each control an additional player or part of an additional player, like Belfort, I think works well, too. Very much. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's just the unevenness, the discrepancy, and, you know, passing the control back and forth that works really poorly. Um, I'm trying to think, I was trying to think today of any other ones that really, that really change quite a bit when you get down with two. Um, There aren't too many more that I can think of that we've played, at least. I'd be curious... Um, for you guys to talk to us on Twitter and Facebook and let us know what are some two-player variants that you really like, um, what are some two-player variants that you really haven't liked. Because um, for the most part, I think most of the games we enjoy just do more of a scaling thing, where it's just, you know, when you play two players, maybe the map is smaller, you know, maybe the components are a little more limited, um, which is fine as well. Like, Scoville does that, where when you play with a lower player count, um there's fewer of the different planting rewards that are available for you, and there's fewer of the different, you know, Well, recipes. and like um, Blood Rage, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have some of the um, some of the characters available to you. 
mm-hmm. with two players. And don't you start off with several places already Ragnarok? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're that already out of the game. Right. But so, that one again, that one works really well too. <laughs> yeah, I just it's it's such a mixed bag. I really wish that uh that design that publishers wouldn't always put two on the like Seven Wonders should not have a two on the side of the box. It just shouldn't. Um, that should be a three to seven player game. Then maybe put a blurb that says, "Oh, and there's a two player advanced variant or something like that as well." Because mm-hmm. because it's a little misleading, you know, when you go to buy a game and you know, oh, it's two players, and then you get it, and it's like, oh, here's this special variant. And again, sometimes they work really well, sometimes they don't. It's kind of a mixed bag as we've seen. Um, so I just don't. Do you feel like some of those modes are half baked sometimes? Like I don't. I don't mean to just you know accuse anyone of not testing uh, stuff well it, as as you would put for as, as i've heard you say for several actors it, it, they're kind of some of them feel like they're mailed in you know mm-hmm. what i mean or just kind of shoehorned in just right, because maybe exactly. the publisher's like hey so is there any way that we can do this two players and and then yeah, they so try and like, figure yeah, something so. out real quick and it just doesn't work yeah. it kind of falls flat and and i do appreciate like so even though it, it does break my heart sometimes that i you know we so like Seafall is a game that's coming out soon. It's a new legacy game from Rob Daviel that everyone's very excited about, but it's going to be a three to five player game. And I can't imagine that there's going to be any way to shoehorn a two player version there because the game is designed from the ground up for three to five players. So it makes me very sad that we're probably not going to get to play Seafall, but I appreciate that Mr. Daviel did not just try to shove a two player you know, version in there just to maybe just one to boost day, up the sales. maybe one day. So, but yeah, so two player variants, um, that pass, that pass back and forth player just needs to go. I think yeah. that's the, that's the biggest thing we learned about ourselves, at least today mm-hmm. is that we don't really care for that whatsoever. So again, I'm, I'm curious to see your guys' thoughts and I'm curious, even if you can turn us on to some other games that do work very well, that have like a weird two player variant, um, be interested to hear, what you guys uh, have for us as far as that goes, because we're always curious to try out new games, stuff like that, as far as that goes. Um, so that's all we have for you this week. Just a reminder real quick that we are a member of the Nerdpocalypse Studios network of shows. Make sure to check out all the other shows in the network, including the Nerdpocalypse, the Dense Pixels podcast, Mouthful of Toast, and Black on Black Cinema. There's also a premium membership that you can check out as well. It's just $5 a month or $50 if you do the whole year. That'll get you weekly episodes of The Airing of Grievances, uh, which is Jay and Micah's weekly look at uh, episodes of Seinfeld and how it relates to their lives and life stories from them. <laughs> um, weekly episodes of Look Forward, our political podcast, which you can actually check out the first 30 minutes of each episode for free um, on the main Nerdpocalypse feed. Uh, you get monthly episodes of No Time to Bleed, our long-form review of action movie podcasts, and uh, uh, The Men with the Golden Tongues, our long-form James Bond review podcast as well so check all those out they're all very cool um and also just again facebook twitter instagram at tabletop for two find all of our uh all of our pictures all of our posts on there it's the best way to get in contact with us that's it anything else from you uh nope i just want to be done so we can go play some more games because we haven't played any yet this week no we have not we've been busy doing some other stuff so uh (laughs) thanks a lot for checking us out again guys we'll see you in a couple weeks till next time bye see ya Thank you.